I never dreamed two weeks ago when we said goodbye as we broke for spring break that this would be the outcome, but oh, how grateful I am for the technology and for the sweet media department here at our church that is allowing us today to broadcast this message. And though this is a bit different, beloved, may I assure you that the same Holy Spirit who has attended us every week as we have gathered together on Tuesday morning and again on Wednesday night, that same Holy Spirit is here in this place. And beloved, I thought you might like to know that the only audience I have today is my beloved Mr. Stockdale, who drove me in today and is my audience as I am sharing the word with you today. Father, I pray that you would anoint this message in such a way that there would not be anything, Father, anything that would be possible to bring confusion in any way, it is our prayer that God's word will go out abundantly clear today. Would you please, beloved, open up your Bibles to John chapter 13. Now, I began preparing for this message several weeks ago, having no idea what would befall us as a nation and indeed as a world. And as I prepared this message, I was asking the Lord to help me make it personal and practical and applicable to our world today, our lives today, so that we might be edified and encouraged through the study and teaching of the Word of God. And as I began to pray about the message, I believe that God was directing me to use this message to speak to not only the revelation of Christ in his humanity and humility and in his deity, but also how we as believers might respond when the world falls apart, having no idea that even during my time of study, we would enter into a time that is absolutely unprecedented, beloved. And so I pray today that God would so anoint these words that they would flow from my heart to your heart, from my spirit to your spirit, that we might be edified and encouraged because, beloved, we need to be reminded of who God is, especially in this time of trouble and who we are supposed to be. Now, let me give you the context. This is the Lord's Supper. And now we're moving into that time of passion when Christ is facing betrayal and arrest and crucifixion. And he's gathering his disciples together in this final evening, and he's speaking into them words that he hoped will comfort them and will offer encouragement through the events that he knows that are coming. How relevant for us today, beloved, how relevant. This world is rapidly unraveling, and yet God is still on the throne. But we can relate to the disciples as their world was unraveling. Now, you will recall that the disciples were terribly confused about the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were still thinking in this train of thought that he was going to come as a military king and overthrow the Roman government. In fact, just before this, John does not mention it. It's accounted for us in the other Gospels. But just before this, several of them were arguing, who's the greatest in the kingdom? They had no idea. They could not wrap their brain around all that he had been teaching them about his death, burial, and resurrection. And so they're coming to this point, And they can sense by his demeanor. They've just come from the Garden of Gethsemane. They can sense by his demeanor that, that uh, the things are, that trouble is coming. And they're knowing that something is up, and yet they cannot fully understand 
understand what it is, beloved. Forgive me, I said they've just come from the Garden of Gethsemane. Actually, they would be headed there soon. They just can't wrap their brains around what it is that is happening. So in light of that, in chapter 13, John reveals for us the humanity of Christ. He identifies in John 13 with his disciples. The first thing I want you to see out of John 13 is what I call the example of his humility, the example of his humility. Now he's standing in the shadow of the cross. I feel like I need to make mention to you uh, that I am terribly allergic to this particular season and that is why I seem to have a cold. It is from my allergies. I want to reassure you even as I'm speaking to you now, I happen to be allergic to everything that's blooming out right this moment. Standing in the shadow of the cross, Jesus sets his humanity, his humility on display and he demonstrates for them the whole of a servant. Now he knows Judas is about to betray him and yet in this moment he treats Judas even as he does the rest of his disciples. If you look with me in chapter 13 verse 5 it says he poured water into the basin and he began to wash the disciples that is including Judas feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. And so he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Simon said to the Lord, Lord do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, Never, never. In the original language, it literally means never in all eternity. Never shall you wash my feet. It was unheard of for a rabbi to wash the feet of his students. For the Lord of glory to stoop to wash the feet of his disciples? And Jesus answered to him, if I do not wash you, you have no part. That word literally means no fellowship with me. And Simon Peter, never known for his subtlety, says to the Lord, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my, my hands and my head. And Jesus says to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean. But not all of you, speaking of Judas, for he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. Simon Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, Simon, if I don't wash your dirty, smelly, stinky feet, you have no fellowship in me. Now, Jesus is demonstrating for the disciples and for us by extension, his humility as he stoops and takes the role of a servant. But he's also teaching a spiritual lesson. He said, Peter, you're already saved. You're already washed in the blood. You're already washed by the washing of the word. You are clean. And yet, Peter, you need to understand that even though you are a believer, a follower of Christ, you still will have sin. And that sin needs to be dealt with. You need to keep clean. Your feet as you walk about are attracting the dirt of the world, the flesh, and the enemy. You need to continually be cleansed from your sin, but you have been born again. Beloved, this is what he is depicting. A full bath depicts the initial act of repenting, believing, and receiving. 
And yet repeated washings are necessary and they symbolize the forgiveness of ongoing sinful behavior because once we come to Christ, we still have this indwelling principle of sin and we still stumble and fail him from time to time. And we need to continually come. This is why it's so important every day to get into the word of God so God can bring conviction to us. This is why it's so important to walk through the day mindful of the Lord Jesus Christ with our mind fixed upon the things above and not on the things of the earth so the spirit of God can regularly bring to mind those areas we're failing him so we can wash and be totally clean, renewed and refreshed to walk in fellowship with him several years ago. Just out of the clear blue, I began to have this very painful part on the bottom of my foot. And I called the doctor and made an appointment to go see a specialist. And when he looked at it, he said, oh, I can tell you exactly what that is. That's a planter's wart. And I said, a wart? That didn't seem like a condition a lady would have. I said, that doesn't seem very ladylike. Are you sure? And he said, absolutely. That's a wart on the bottom of your foot. And I said, how in the world did I get a wart on the bottom of my foot? And he said, as you walk about, you get contaminated by the world. And I thought to myself, that's the most spiritual thing a doctor's ever said to me. Beloved, as you and I walk about as believers, as we walk about, we're contaminated by the world. So we must continue to come for cleansing. So how then shall we live, beloved, when our world falls apart? Well, the first thing I believe we can see here from this text is that we must believe in Jesus. That is, salvation is absolutely essential. Beloved, if you and I are going to walk in these days, we must have a firm foundation of Christ to stand upon because the world is shifting sand and it is falling apart even as we're watching it. Oh, beloved, if you have never received Jesus, it is our earnest prayer that you will ask Christ to come, forgive your sins, to take control of your life, take you to heaven when you die, and that you will enter into a personal relationship with him through repentance, believing on him, and receiving him by faith. Oh, beloved, now is the time. If you have never received Jesus Christ, it is our earnest, earnest heart's desire that you will consider the claims of Christ and that you will receive him. And beloved, let me just speak to those of you who know that you know that you belong to him. These are days that are filled with anxiety. These are days of uncertainty. These are days of trouble. And yet you and I who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we must stand strong on the promise of his word. He is faithful. He is true. And beloved, he's still on the throne. And while the world is panicking, with good reason, the believers need to find our hope anew and fresh in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. So the first thing that's going to see us through when the whole world falls apart is believing in Jesus Christ because salvation is absolutely essential. When the foot washing had finished, Jesus went on to tell them, Look uh, in verse 12. And when he'd washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, and so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you should do the same. Beloved, what can we learn from this? 
I believe we can learn that what Jesus was telling the disciples and us by extension, we're to be imitators of Christ. Not cheap versions, knockoff versions, but spirit-filled people that are so committed to Jesus Christ that we are in this day especially looking for ways that we can serve other people, that we can wash feet, so to speak. We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we must be an example, follow his example. The Lord of glory stooped to wash feet, oh, that we might look for ways that we might minister in his name as well. The next thing I want you to see is what I call the exposure of his enemy after the example of his humility, the exposure of his enemy. Uh, Look with me, if you would, in verse 18. He said, I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. For now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass so that when it does occur, you will believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me and who he, he who receives him excuse me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And Jesus, after saying this, he became troubled in spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And the disciples began looking at one another as a loss to know which one he was speaking about. You see, Jesus knew the heart of Judas that he had never surrendered to him. And yet the other disciples did not recognize Judas as the traitor. Judas had learned to play the game. He was a hypocrite, a counterfeit Christian, and yet he had so learned skillfully how to pretend to belong that he fooled the rest of the disciples, but obviously the Lord Jesus Christ knew his heart. What can we do in these days when the world falls apart? Beloved, we can trust Jesus, as far as the disciples were concerned, Judas was a follower of Christ. Jesus warned us that we need to be careful to love others and to let him be the one as the righteous judge to separate the wheat from the tares. Because within every congregation, in and out of the church, beloved, there are counterfeit Christians who are substituting religious activity for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are those who not only are doing that, there are those who are deliberate enemies of the Lord. And beloved, you and I cannot possibly identify those people, but the Lord can. And so we simply trust in him. He is in control. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. He will be the one who must separate the sheep from the goats. He is, however, in control. I jotted down just a few of my favorite scriptures. Whoever the Lord, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth. That's Psalm 130, verse 6. No purpose of God can be thwarted. That's Job 42.2. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Psalm 138.8. And my all-time favorite, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? That's Psalm 27 verse 1. Oh, Beloved, in these difficult days, in these trying times, in these tough circumstances, what do we do? We trust Jesus. He's still on the throne. 
The next thing I want you to see is what I call the exhortation of his love. Look with me in verse 33 of chapter 13. Little children, I am with you just a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I'm saying to you, where I am going, you cannot come. The new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, can I not follow you right now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Beloved Jesus tells us, the disciples and us by extension, that we are to love one another. Beloved, there are many that are genuinely in the faith that we do not agree on on all of the non-essentials. But in these days, in these days, we need to lay aside what is often a disdain for others who worship differently, look differently, act differently, and we need to begin to so walk in the Spirit of God that we are, despite personality differences, denominational differences, upbringing, racial lines, social economic delineations, or convictions on the non-essentials of the faith, we need to learn how to respond in love. Our God is big enough to manage the differences when we are faithful enough to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet Peter was startled when Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't come. Because for three and a half years, they'd all been nearly inseparable. They had walked with him and ministered with him. They'd seen him heal uh, the sick and the diseased. They'd seen him raise people from the dead. They'd seen the signs and the miracles. And suddenly he's saying, now I'm going somewhere. You cannot come with me. And Peter is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are you going that we cannot go. And the Lord says, oh, Peter, where I'm going now, you cannot go. You'll follow later. And Peter said, no, no, I'd lay my life down for you. And Jesus, I believe with extreme compassion, told Peter, believe it or not, my dear one, you will deny you even know me three times before the rooster crows. Oh, self-revelation is very painful indeed. And I can imagine that this shook Peter, our boisterous fisherman, crude and rough, a man who had so fallen in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, though he believed in his heart, he was ready to die for the Lord. The Lord knew better than that. How then shall we live when the world starts falling apart, when the world unravels, when everything is turned upside down? Beloved, we live by repentance, understanding that failure for the child of God is not final. Our sin spoils the fellowship, but not the relationship. Nothing can sever the relationship because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And we are eternally secure in Jesus Christ. 
And praise God, he has made a way through repentance. It is the pathway back to full restoration. Peter would be restored. In fact, Peter would go on in Acts chapter 2 to preach on the day of Pentecost. And over 3,000 men, and if you, more than that if you counted women and children, 3,000 were converted. He would be restored and pressed into service for the kingdom of God. Peter found forgiveness and restoration. Reinstatement after a catastrophic failure, and so can we. Praise God, praise God, that we can walk in repentance. Well, I want to move us into chapter 14 and go very quickly through it. As you can imagine, our time is slipping away. In chapter 14, I want you to see what I entitled the deity of Christ. In chapter 13, Jesus uh, reveals himself as a humble servant. In chapter 14, we see him as the risen Savior. He reassures his disciples, knowing the impact of his words, are falling heavy upon them, and they are beginning to respond as they're working out all that he is saying. It's beginning to settle in on them that after three and a half years, they're going to be working in a world, ministering in a world in a time when he is no longer present. And he can sense how distraught they are. And so, beloved, this is so precious to me as I've meditated on it and studied it. But look with me in verse 14. He speaks of heaven. And I just want to tell you that if you're discouraged today, if you're fearful today, if you're frightened today, begin to meditate on these passages and consider heaven Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, beloved. This is the promise of his preparation. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, oh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Oh, beloved, beloved. This is the sixth of the great I am statements that John recorded for us in the gospel of John. So how then shall we live? Follow him. Follow him. He is the way. Several years ago, I was traveling through Atlanta's airport, and I was having to go from one terminal to the other, and so I had gone downstairs and ridden the little subway underground uh, to my next spot. And if you've been to the airport in Atlanta, you know that it's extremely crowded with people, at least uh, prior to this time. And I remember getting off that little subway and uh, going with this crush of people, and we were headed to the escalators, and their escalators are nearly two stories high. And I remember as I was walking towards that, this great crush of people with me that I looked and right ahead of me was a woman who obviously was not sighted and she was using a white cane and she was tapping along on the tiles as she went and I thought to myself how incredibly brave to travel by yourself when you're not able to see 
And I looked at her and I noticed her shoe was untied. And I thought to myself, when she gets on the escalator and steps on the escalator, it is possible that it could eat up her shoelace and cause her great harm. And so I began to quicken my pace and I got up next to her. And I tried to as calmly as possible because I did not want to frighten her. And so I said to her, I'm Jean Stockdale. Somehow I thought that would make everything right. I don't know what I was thinking. But I said, my name is Jean Stockdale, and I see that you're traveling by yourself. And she said, well, yes, yes, I am. And I said, I was behind you. I couldn't help but notice that your shoe is untied. She said, I knew it was untied. And I said, I'm concerned about you getting on the escalator with your shoe untied. And she said, I know, but I could sense there was a great crowd of people around me, and I was afraid to stop lest someone run over me. And I said, would you be willing to trust me to take you by the arm and move you to a safe place against the wall? So I can tie your shoe and I'll be happy to accompany you. Would you allow me to do that? I don't want to frighten you. I don't want you to be afraid in any way. And she said, well, I'd be delighted if you would do that. And so I gently took her arm and just began to walk her through the crowd. I got her over against the uh, side of the tile wall there. And I stooped down to tie her shoe. And she thanked me so much. And I said, could I see you on to your destination? And she said, I need to go to baggage claim. And I said, I'm going to baggage claim. Can I walk you there too? And she said, oh, she'd appreciate it so much. We got on the escalator and she said, so what brings you to Atlanta? And I said, well, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm a Christian and I'm going to be doing a conference for other women, Christian women. And she said, well, I'm a Christian too. And in the length of that time it took us to go those two floors, we'd both shared our testimony with each other. She had a glowing testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, oh, how thank you so much for being willing to step up and help me. And I uh, said, I, it, was just a, it was just the Lord. It was just the Lord. We got up to the top of the escalator and I said, said, so where is your luggage? And she said, I'm flying Delta. And I said, I'm flying another airlines, but let me see if I can get you to the right place. And I asked a young man if he could possibly help me by showing me uh, where the Delta Airlines baggage claim was. I said, this lady here, and obviously he could tell that she was unsighted. And I said, uh, this lady is trying to get to her baggage. Can you tell her how to go there? And do you know what he did? Even though he saw that she did not have the capacity to see, a white cane is absolutely the universal sign for that. Even though he saw that, what he did without speaking, he just pointed. And I thought to myself, do you understand? She can't see. She can't see. It doesn't help her one bit for you to point. And beloved, I thought about the Lord Jesus Christ, how he did not simply come and point to the Father. He did not simply come and point to dead people, blind people who cannot see, lost in their sin. Beloved, he came to be the way. And he's telling his disciples, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Beloved, that's eternal life that we receive when we receive Jesus Christ. That is the life that we enjoy here on this pilgrim's journey. Although this is not our home, we're just passing through. But the life that he gives us as the Spirit of God moves in to indwell us, enable us, assure us with confidence we can trust in him and him alone. The down payment, Ephesians says, of our future salvation and redemption. Beloved, the Spirit of God gives us life here, abundant life. But oh, in the next life, when we are caught up together with the Lord forever and ever and ever to be in the place that he has prepared 
That, beloved, is the promise of his preparation. I want you to see very quickly that we are to follow him, follow him, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. But I want to speak for a moment about the promise of his presence, and that is the blessed Holy Spirit. If you'll look with me in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, and he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's the promise of his presence. The beloved Holy Spirit who brings to remembrance all that he has taught, who gives us understanding as we search his word, as we follow after him, who enables us, encourages us, strengthens us from within. And so, beloved, how are we going to live in these days of great uncertainty? I'll tell you how, by the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us to remember what we've already learned. Beloved, I've walked with God for over 40 years. And if I could just remember what I already know. So often you and I, especially in times of great stress and crisis, we forget those truths that God has taught us. And the Spirit of God brings up to remembrance the truth of God's word. Peter, Simon Peter, wrote this in 2 Peter, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And have been established in the truth which is present in you, I consider it right. As long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. So also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. That's the role of the Spirit of God in our lives, beloved. To bring to remembrance those things that we have already learned. So in times of crisis, the Spirit of God allows us to understand God's truth and to remember God's truth and to operate in it as we yield to Him in obedience. And the last thing is the promise of His peace. It just gets sweeter and sweeter. Look with me in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I give to you, not as the, uh, excuse me, let me start that again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. We're living in a time, beloved, when so many are suddenly so afraid. Even believers, strong believers are suddenly so anxious and so fearful. And God's word to you this morning, to all of us, is peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Do not be fearful. Do not be afraid. So how then shall we live? We are to appropriate the peace of God through prayer. Let me review these things, beloved. How then shall we live? This is what he told his disciples, and this is what he's telling us. In the night when their world was crashing down upon them, at a time when they were suddenly felt helpless and even hopeless, fearful and afraid, their hearts were troubled. 
he reassures them with the promise of his preparation. He reassures them with the promise of his presence. He reassures them with the promise of his peace. And beloved, he's doing the same today. How shall we live? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is essential. Believe and be saved. The second thing is be an imitator of Christ and serve one another. The third is that we must trust Jesus. We must love one another. We must repent. We must follow him. We must remember what we already know and yield to the Spirit. And finally, appropriate the peace of God through prayer. Beloved, on Sunday, our own pastor, Brother Steve, preached out of Revelation 4 and 5. And I believed as I would close that the Lord was speaking to me that I might share these words with you out of Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. Worthy are you for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be kingdoms and to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever in the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost he who testifies of these things that is the Lord Jesus says behold I am coming quickly and all of God's people said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Father, in these closing moments, would you pour out the balm of Gilead on every troubled heart? By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us? Would you encourage us? Would you urge us to be strong and courageous in the power of your name by the authority of the shed blood of Jesus Christ? May we, who are blood-bought, who know that we know that we know that we are in Christ, may we, Father, stand firmly. May we be ambassadors for Christ in these days like never before. You are giving us opportunities to be the hand and feet of Jesus. And oh God, how I pray we'll step into those. Father, I'm asking that many, many will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, how we bless you. Oh, how we praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That though you despise the shame, you came to the cross. You gave your life willingly as the once for all sacrifice for sin. You were buried and raised again, and you now are seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Thank you that you ever lived to make intercession for us. And Father, for every one of my precious sisters in the Lord who are listening today across this land and perhaps across this world, I speak peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. This is not our home. We're pilgrims passing through. And Father, until we see you face to face, oh Lord Jesus, may we stand strong on your firm foundation, anchoring our soul to the one and only Jesus Christ, to him be all glory and praise and dominion. Worthy is the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.
and amen. God bless you. Jean, thank you so much for that powerful lesson that we, I needed to hear it, that we all needed to hear during this time that we're going through. Ladies, thank you so very much for joining us today. And remember to join us next week at the same time, next Tuesday at 1030, as Donna wraps up our final study in Glory Revealed. She'll be teaching from John 15. We invite you to follow us on social media at Bellevue Women. And please direct message us any prayer requests that you might have. You can send them to any of our platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We want to stay connected with you, and we want to pray for you during this time. Until next week, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.